having rewarding but often difficult conversations on the streets. You know, you do that together on a team and you make solid lifelong friendships when you're doing hard things together. It's life saving for the people we can reach, but it's life changing for those of us who are involved. And through those kind of, you know, genuine friendships and building up community, we can help grow the movement and reach more and more people and more and more communities with the truth about abortion. Hi folks, and welcome to Humans of the Pro-Life Movement, an initiative of the Pro-Life Guys podcast where we feature the incredible men and women across the country and around the world who are making sacrifices of their time and energy for the alleviation of pain and suffering and for the protection of preborn children and their families. And uh, my name is Cam. I am the host of this episode. Peter has done his share of episodes, and I'm back on hosting another one. And my guest today, I'm, I'm very fortunate to have him on again, a great friend of mine, Blaze Lane. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great, thanks. Great to be here again. Good stuff. For those of you who are new to the show, Blaze is awesome. For those of you who are not new to the show and have seen episodes that Blaze has been featured, he works full time. Uh, yeah, full time with CCBR um, as our Eastern Outreach Director. He's got a very cool journey to um, that position that we'll get into. Um, but he has also been featured in a couple of other episodes that we have done. The the flagship um, series that we have, Pro Life Guys. He came on to talk about theory of change versus the theory of action in the pro life movement. I believe that was episode 15 or 16, something like that. And then we did another episode of Blaze in an analysis of a debate that Stephanie Gray Connors did with Peter Singer at Harvard University. So a very, very smart guy, very good guy, um, and a pleasure to have him on the show. Blaze, let's dive into it. And the first question I'd love to ask, and I, I am particularly interested in your answer to this because I've been getting to know you better and better over the last couple of years here. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell the audience a little bit about who you are beyond Blaze Lane, the full-time pro-life guy. Tell me a little bit about what you're into, what makes you tick, and, and what you're passionate about. All right, sure. Yeah, so um, I describe myself as a technologist, musician, writer, and activist. So that kind of sums up my main activities for technology. I did a computer science undergrad, and I've worked as a web developer and system administrator, and um, and I've done a lot of writing on technology as well, kind of the intersection of technology and culture and those sorts of things. Um, music, I am a songwriter and a violinist and multi-instrumentalist for other songwriters in the Toronto area. So I uh, play live around the city or on the road when I have the opportunity um, and in my home studio. And, um, and then, uh, you know, activism, it's, it's pro-life activism is the main thing that I do now. Um, especially as I've been full-time with CCBR over the last couple of years. I am uh, married with three kids in Toronto, and I am Catholic. And um, yeah, that's me in a nutshell. Very cool. I'm sure that you probably could have gone longer and longer. I'm sure that you have a very difficult time often um, condensing your your resume, as it were, into bios and whatnot. I'm, I'm sure that you've been victim of people introducing you at conferences and conventions and whatnot and going through the, the entire list of your accolades and whatnot. Um, I don't say that to pump your tires. I, I, just I that specifically wrote like four or five different versions of the bio on my website so I could hand people the right one to avoid that happening again. <laughs> oh, bingo, bingo. It, it makes sense. Yeah. In some ways, it, it's shorter to, to describe the things that you don't do versus the things that you do do. And from there, I, I'm super fascinated. And this is a question that I know that a lot of people 
have who are involved in various ways in the pro-life movement that you are super involved in a bunch of different areas, right? Like, like you mentioned, you can find Blaze Lane on Spotify with your music. You can find courses that you've run through different church programs that are not necessarily abortion related. You've done um, tons of stuff. And I'm curious, how does this all weave together with the different crowds that you run in, the music crowds, the technology crowds, the pro-life crowds? Is this something that comes up often? And when it does come up, how do you navigate um, a music friend or a technology friend who's like, oh, I, I saw you on the news. I saw you doing pro-life stuff down uh, uh, Young and Dundas um, downtown when I drove by or something like that. How does that play out in your life? I'm curious. Yeah, one of my good music friends uh, said to me a couple of weeks back, he said, uh, you have a couple Venn diagrams of communities that you intersect with. <laughs> I think that's a good way of, of putting it. Um, so, I mean, I've been involved in the pro-life movement for about 15 years and the first 10 years, it was as a volunteer, uh, volunteer with UFT students for life, a volunteer with Toronto right to life. And then over the last five years, it has been my job working for CCBR. So, um, for the longest time, it wasn't the main thing that I was doing, even though I would carve out as much time as I could for pro-life activism. Um, and now that it's the main thing that I'm doing, I feel like it's a lot more front and center, but. Um, all the way throughout, I think my focus has always been on kind of putting personal relationships first. So I don't bring up pro-life activism when I'm in, say, music circles. Or I mean, frankly, even when I was, you know, studying theology at, uh, at U of T, like I would bring it up when relevant, but I kind of, or, you know, if I'm in a technology space, I'm, I'm not necessarily bringing up pro-life stuff, but I'm focusing on, you know, having like like having quality relationships with the people around me and especially in the music space it's you know being friends with my friends in the music space being uh friends and on good terms with the people that i'm playing with in different bands and then um my hope is and thus far it has worked out that you know when something does come up um we get to have that conversation in the context of a real genuine friendship you know i i remember um one songwriter I've played with for years. Um, <laughs> there, there's one time where somebody on Twitter had like their own YouTube channel. It was like 10 or 12 viewers or something, but like long form debates and they wanted to get me to come in to discuss about abortion. So the guy replied to my latest tweet. My latest tweet was about a show I was playing with my friend. And he starts, like, this conversation about abortion starts and, uh, and, and my friend that weekend says like, it's a bit odd that he like sent the message to us and I said you know I, I think he was uh, he was looking for like people who were like really involved in the movement and my friend was like yeah why would he send that to us you know and like he, he kind of didn't <laughs> he had no idea why somebody would be approaching me to have an abortion debate conversation on YouTube but then but then with that same friend um, you know in in uh, probably within a year or two of that like we ended up having like really interesting conversation about Jordan Peterson and that led to opening up about pro-life activism and talking about conversations on campuses and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, it happened organically in the context of a friendship. And I think that, um, I think that, uh, that makes a big difference. Um, I have, I have decided myself for the circles that I'm in and the goals that I have and the place that I feel I'm called that I'm very open about the pro-life work that I do. I make no secret of it. Um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very, I, for a long time, I've been very open about my pro-life views online, writing for 
uh, I was blogging for UFT Students for Life for years and, and, and on my own social media accounts. Um, my strategy has been, it's not the only thing that I'm doing online. It's not the only thing that I'm known for, but I'm not hiding it. So you search my name on a web search or you go to my website and you will find pro-life stuff alongside a whole bunch of other things. So that's kind of the balance that, um, that I've, I've had. And, and I, I'm so glad that you mentioned that of, of cushioning, not cushioning per se, but, but having, yeah, that, that pro-life worldview as a part, a, a genuine part of the rest of our, our lives. I know that it plays a different part in the lives of many people, whether it's a, a very large proportion of the stuff that they do day to day, whether it's a job or whether it's a hobby or whether it's a smaller proportion. I often think of um, Trent Horn, Trent Horn's book, Persuasively Pro-Life. In, I think it's in the first chapter he lays out that pro-lifers have to stop being weird. Like, like just don't be weird as a pro-lifer. And I feel right. like oftentimes we as pro-lifers bring the social awkwardness upon ourselves and people just, not in a menacing way, they ask us at a party or to get together or at a baseball league or whatever, like, oh, what do you do for work? And when you're like, oh, I, 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 I do pro-life work. And, and the eyes go big and you're waiting for them to attack you and you're like, no. No, they're asking about your job. It's not like they're they're actually curious about learning everything about what you do. When you ask somebody what they do for work, how many follow-up questions do you get on it? Oh, you're an accountant. Oh, what kind of accountant are you? What were you doing last February? Was that you doing like like pro-lifers make themselves weird by how they respond to some of these questions? And I love the way that you you frame that within this is a large part of what I do. I'm not ashamed of that, but I'm not going to force it into every conversation. And I, I think there's a lot to be said for being able to cultivate really good quality relationships that do. Um, you almost lend credibility to it. I, I remember when I, the, the first and second choice chains I did on my campus at University of Victoria, um, I was that super annoying guy for my entire co- university career that I was the guy who put up his hand and ask questions during lectures with like 400 students. And I'd be that guy always answering questions and asking questions and whatever. And so when people saw me at Choice Chain, they were like, but Cam, you're so normal. You're so normal. And, and I'm curious, Blaze, if that's something that you could speak to a little bit more about through the relationship that you're building with people, being able to in some ways lend credibility, I suppose, to the pro-life worldview that this isn't something that is necessarily radical or insane or reserved for Bible-thumping um, rednecks in, in small parts of, of rural United States sort of thing, but this can be a very normal thing that you can lend credibility to through building relationships, I guess. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I know that other people have different balances. Like there's some people who, you know, take a more intentional approach to bring up the issue in their circles. And there's other people who for good reason, like, if you're in another field where uh, being involved in pro-life activism could be a liability where you kind of, you know, keep that on the down low. For me, I have always taken this approach about being very open, but among many other things that I do, and I I do see it as a form of, uh, of witness, in a way, because I'm focused on these, like on the relationships, on the friendships, on, on being a good bandmate, on being a good musician, on, you know, being a good web developer or whatever it is that I'm doing and, and, and focusing on the relationships in front of me so that um, when the issue comes up, it's, you know, it's like, it's Blaze, my friend, it's Blaze, the guy who plays violin in my band. It's someone that they know and appreciate. And, you know, um, I, I think of lots of, lots of examples of that, um, 
whether it was uh, 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 a colleague of my father's who happened upon a choice chain at the University of Toronto and came up and said hi, and I have no idea if he knew that I did pro-life activism before then, but I'd known him for many years, and he knew that I did it afterwards, and it was never awkward or anything. Um, you know, or um, uh, I can think of a, a, a bandmate who, uh, who uh, after having a few drinks at a wedding when we were saying farewell, uh, he's like, hey, you voted for Doug Ford, didn't you, right? And I, I, I explained to him that you can only vote for the person you're riding, and I do not live in Etobicoke North or wherever Doug Ford is, but um, uh, you know, he, he, he was like, you voted conservative. He, he, you know, tried to tease me a little bit for it. Actually, he said, he said, uh, he said he wanted me to feel a little bit bad, but not too bad. Um, and I said to him, uh, don't worry, people have said far worse things to me. Um, I don't think he realizes that I do street activism regularly, but a couple months down the road, when some crazy stuff was happening in Ontario provincial politics, he reached out to me and, you know, he's like, I don't think I know anyone else who voted conservative in the last election. And like, this seems crazy to me. I love you. What do you think about this? Right. And whether it's like politics or, or, or my faith, or whether it's, uh, being anti-abortion, um, you know, you have these kinds of authentic and genuine conversations that come up when it's in the context of, a of a friendship. So I, I, I view that, I mean, it, it, it's in a way it's like, a it's like um, long-term witness and sort of long-game witness. You know, I, I can think of another um, music acquaintance. Um, I've never played with him directly, but, you know, he's played in bands with people I've played in bands with, and we know each other around from the music scene. And he happened upon a choice chain back in 2014. This is before I was working in the pro-life movement. I was volunteering to lead what eventually became Toronto Against Abortion and um, walked up to meet a choice chain. And... I found out that not only like he was pro-life and he was Christian and I had no idea until we had a conversation. We ended up talking about like strategy and the reality of abortion in Canada and why we're doing this sort of thing. But, um, you know, he, he like, he was someone that, uh, that I already knew in, and he knew me, even though he didn't know that I was involved in pro-life activism up until this time. So that's, that's the balance that has made sense for me. And that's how I view that kind of, um, uh, like I, I do think it's still an intentional witness, um, just kind of with more of a long-term perspective. Absolutely. And I think that makes sense. And I think that makes sense even to, like you said, kind of evaluate different relationships differently sort of thing based on how the, where those relationships are at, where they're going frequency, the, um, the, the impact that conversation will have if, if you're more proactive or less proactive. And so I think there's a lot of wisdom in there. And, and you've mentioned on, on a few occasions now that, that you're, journey into working full-time for CCPR, working full-time in the movement has been not only an elongated journey, but in, in some ways, not necessarily the textbook journey. I think that for a long time, I was in some ways the textbook case for somebody who started working for CCBR. I, I witnessed a, a debate between then executive director, Stephanie Gray Connors. I, I went from there to do the Florida mission trip um, and get my feet wet there. I did an internship after that. And then after that, I came on staff, kind of the textbook route. Your journey has been a little bit different than that. I think it's fair to say. Um, tell us a little bit about how that journey got started. Is this something that you've always been passionate about? Is this something that kind of raised, uh, kind of grew in prevalence in your life as you got older, as you got involved at university to high school? What is this journey from... Um, not involved in the pro-life movement at all to very obviously involved in the pro-life movement looked like for you, I guess. 
right? So maybe the start was kind of uh, typical, and then I ended up taking a, a, a bit of a less typical path. So, I mean, I grew up pro-life by default. Um, I remember first seeing abortion victim photography when I was 11 on a family vacation. Um, Kingston, Ontario, just driving by the road. I remember seeing the photos. I remember asking my parents what they were, and I just remember the word abortion. And I had that link between the photos and abortion for when that topic came up later. Um, in high school, I would say I became really convicted. It wasn't just pro-life by default, but um, I was assigned to the pro-life position in an abortion debate and had to do the research and went and talked to my mom and realized she had been through five difficult pregnancies and faced pressure to uh, to abort my younger brother because it was a high risk pregnancy and, um, you know, learning some of the family history and learning just, you know, what the state of the law was in Canada and the U S and, and about abortion procedures, I really became convicted. That's when I would, um, like I would actively defend the pro-life position when it came up, um, through the rest of high school, such that by the time I got to the university of Toronto, so I started there in 2005, um, you know, I was, when I was on the lookout for new clubs and I heard about the pro-life club, I was interested. I was showing up. Um, and that's where I first encountered CCBR. Uh, the founders, Stephanie and Jojo had come to, um, the UFT campus, uh, university of Toronto campus on various occasions. And I did my first, uh, activism, uh, with the CCBR project the end of first year in 2006 with what's now the abortion awareness project. We used to run that once a year on campus. Um, I think, I, I never did an internship because there weren't internships at that time. And I was so committed to so many other things that it was difficult for me to give up, you know, uh, a full week or, or a full few months for pro-life work, even though I was steadily volunteering. Um, remember, uh, uh, Jojo Ruba invited me to come to Calgary for the crash course in 2010, but I was getting married that summer, you know? So I, I, I never kind of took a, a, a further, step to be involved directly with CCBR, but I stayed involved in Toronto. I was the technology officer for UFD Students for Life during my undergrad. And then in my uh, master's, which I chipped away at part-time over eight years, um, I was the education coordinator for the club. So I was involved with UFD Students for Life for 15 years with just a little gap in there. I was a true student for life as I took forever to finish two degrees. Um, but uh, uh, when I finished my undergrad, I wasn't planning to do a master's at the time, and I wanted to stay involved in the pro-life movement uh, in an intentional way. And there were a couple other U of T alumni or, or students who had joined the board of Toronto Right to Life. So I talked to them, and I ended up joining the board myself and ended up becoming president of Toronto Right to Life for a decade as a volunteer on the board. Um, so uh, U of T Students for Life and Toronto Right to Life were my primary uh areas of involvement as a volunteer. Um, for UFT Students for Life, you know, I did the website and I showed up to activism, but there was a point at which, um, it, it, there, there was a point at which everyone else had graduated and activism kind of, uh, you know, fell off and um, other undergrad students would refer to me and a few others as the dinosaurs because we were the grad students who had been around for several years. And, you know, I, I realized that I had more experience than a lot of people in the club. So, um, uh, inspired by CCBR's work, I uh, started the activism team at UFT, which grew into Toronto Against Abortion. So that was like another level of, of volunteering around 2013, 2014, where I wasn't just showing up as a committed member of the team, but I was leading the team and trying to make sure that activism was happening in Toronto. And, um, and then similarly with Toronto Right to Life, I got involved there at the board level and 
uh, you know, help build the team and help change the strategy. So Toronto Right to Life could get more involved in the front lines doing effective pro-life work. And um, it was through those volunteer efforts that I was involved in the first, my first 10 years in the pro-life movement. And then in 2016, there was a real kind of couple months of providence where um, UFT Students for Life had, had hit a level of activism more regularly and Toronto Right to Life got really involved. And I was volunteering at unsustainable levels and conversation happened with CCBR about joining staff right at the time where CCBR was um, was placing staff members more permanently in the greater Toronto area, not just for summer internships, but year round. And everything kind of came together within a few months. And that's the point at which um, I started working in the movement rather than just volunteering. So, so I, I, a long, a long period of volunteering in different ways before becoming a part-time staff member for a few years and then eventually full-time. Very cool. Very cool. And I, I'd love to dive into what, what helped you make the decision to choose CCBR specifically. I, obviously this is a CCBR show and so this isn't just, um, pumping our own tires, I suppose, but I, not only with so many opportunities with your other realms of music and technology and, and theology, I'm sure as well, but I'm sure that there's any number of pro-life organizations that would have loved to hire you. And, and I'm, I'm sure that you're still in some ways beating them off with a stick, um, trying to say, no, I'm happy with CCBR. Hopefully you're, that's what you're saying to them. But what was it about <laughs> CCBR that um, inspired you to kind of look at those other career opportunities or options and say, no, I, I really want to pursue this working for CCBR. What was it about CCBR that, that kind of made you want to commit in that direction, I guess? Yeah. See, I don't feel super awkward talking about what I love about CCBR. I don't feel like sort of tooting my own horn because I spent more time outside than inside. And I, I still feel just so privileged to be part of the team with CCBR because CCBR is what inspired me to get more and more involved in the pro-life movement. And it was through CCBR that, um, you know, the critical thinking about effective strategy in pro-life education, like, um, like that was all CCBR influence and, and inspiration for me and, and, and my motivation, you know, so in, in undergrad, it was encountering Stephanie and Jojo, the co-founders of CCBR, you know, hearing them in debates, hearing them uh, give talks at the University of Toronto and elsewhere um, participating in what's now the abortion awareness project. Like, um, I got, I mean, that day in first year, when I first showed up, um, I was nervous to talk to other people or to identify myself as a volunteer. You know, I, I've been moved by the images and the videos. I think I saw, um, the hard truth by, uh, Greg Cunningham from CBR when I was in first year. Like I, I was moved myself by the photos and videos, but I was nervous about showing them in public. I showed up not identifying myself as a volunteer, just planning to listen in. And I ended up skipping all my classes for the whole day and just talking to people about abortion. Cause I like, I saw and experienced how effective it was to have those conversations in the context of this kind of activism. Um, I was inspired by CCBR's um, critical analysis of pro-life strategy, which I read in my undergrad that just takes a look at the pastoral political and educational arms of the movement. And, you know, for pro-life education, ask questions like, you know, are we being efficient? Um, does the frequency match the urgency of the problem? Are we blending other mor moral issues? Um, are we actually reaching our target audience? Who is our target audience? And are the projects we're picking actually going to reach them? And all these kinds of questions, like they, they really influenced my thinking and made a difference. And I could see on the ground with U of T Students for Life, the massive difference um, when we started employing what was launched as the end the killing plan, the end the killing strategy, 
locally in our campus. You know, there was a time when we got to to running weekly activism. I remember it was um, end of September 2015, and I was talking to someone, and it was our third choice chain of that school year. And the guy's like, I see you guys at the subway station. I see you at the street festival. I see you here. And like, those are the three places we've been so far. But it's like, we were changing the campus by making abortion impossible to ignore. And, um, you know, you could tell in, any, in, in the individual conversations, in the coverage from campus media, in the way that people were thinking about abortion who wouldn't have been otherwise, like just, you could see the effectiveness of putting this strategy in, in play. Um, I mentioned the end the killing plan, CCBR launched the end the killing plan. And like, again, I don't feel like I'm bragging because I was not part of CCBR at the time. You know, you were an intern for that summer. I was a volunteer being inspired in Toronto when CCBR ran a national tour being like, this is how we're going to systematically make abortion unthinkable across the country because we need to reach everyone with abortion victim photography and human rights apologetics. And, um, you know, here's a plan to do it. And we never, we need everyone to do their local part. And I showed up to volunteer at, at all the Toronto stops and I drove out to Ottawa for the final day and Canada day. And, um, you know, I, I had a chance to go to Florida for what's now the Abortion Awareness Project in 2013. I attended the crash course myself in 2015. Like, I feel, I still feel like a CCBR fanboy. And it's still crazy for me to think that I am responsible for CCBR outreach on this half of the country. It's like a dream job. Like, when um, it, it's a dream job because it's so effective and so impactful and such meaningful work. When I, when I got married in 2010 and CCBR did not have staff in Ontario, uh, it was just the Calgary office at the time. Uh, my wife and I joked about just moving to Calgary because there were teaching jobs there. She's a teacher and was, it was hard to find a job in Ontario. And, and it's like, we'll move there. You'll get a job as a teacher. I'll just work for CCBR. And uh, we ran into Stephanie Gray on our honeymoon at the Calgary airport. And like I was CCBR fanboy seeing one of my pro-life heroes, right? And I still feel like that most days of the week. I still feel so privileged to be able to have the main thing that I do be so meaningful, so impactful, and to be effective and be able to pass on the ways in which I've been inspired and I've learned how to think more critically and be more effective and teach other pro-lifers and, and mentor them and inspire them and encourage them to do the same thing and to, and to be part of growing the movement. And, and I love that note that you end on there, actually, about the mentorship, because I, I see this in my day-to-day staff as I observe what you're doing out east. You, you hold a very similar kind of role as I do out west working for CCBR and seeing how the the humility and the passing it on, what, what you had received from the JoJo's and Stephanie's and are now passing on to the newer CCBR staff members, that that guidance, the wisdom, the the anchoring of this is what drives the movement this this regular activism the the engagement of people the exposure of the images i think that's that's so so cool to see that now that you're handing it on i and i also chuckle at at you being a fanboy because th- there's been a number of meetings that you and I have been a part of that, that you've been explaining a strategy or, or walking through your analysis of something. And I've just leaned over to the person sitting beside me as I'm listening and just saying, I'm so glad this guy's on our side. I'm so glad that this guy's <laughs> part of the pro-life movement because if he wasn't, wow, we would be absolutely hooped. Um, and so the, the feeling is very mutual of, of appreciation. Um, obviously, and, and that's speaking on behalf of CCBR, I, I'm sure. And and so from that then, with your kind of unique journey and unique experience, I suppose, within the pro-life movement, being on boards of directors, speaking at some of the largest conferences um, that have happened in Canada, while also doing the, the grassroots on the ground um, 
delivering postcards to mailboxes and talking to people on street corners and whatnot. I'm curious about any memorable experiences that you've had that still stand out. Maybe they happened a decade ago. Maybe they happened last week. But what stands out to you from your time working and volunteering in the pro-life movement? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, so many stories to, to, to share. I mentioned the new abortion uh, caravan and traveling to Ottawa for that last day. One memorable moment was on that day. There were four of us. Um, so we were choice chaining at, on Canada Day at Parliament Hill, just bringing attention to the fact that, um, you know, yes, there's a lot to celebrate about Canada, but this is also a country where there's a whole class of human beings that has no human rights and we kill th nearly 300 children every day. So we're bringing that to people's attention on Canada Day. Um, I'm off near the east uh, the East Block with three others doing a small part of the choice chain there and the RCMP come in and clear a path for vehicles to, to travel through. And the four of us end up being at the front of this crowd, holding our choice chain signs with prenatal imagery and abortion victim photography, uh, not knowing what's going on. And then we see the prime minister's motorcade come through. <laughs> so we had a chance to be there right at the front of the crowd and, uh, Choice Chain Prime Minister Stephen Harper, who at the time was, you know, effectively the de facto leader of the pro-choice movement, like defending the status quo in Canada and making sure that he saw the victims of abortion, too. That was a sort of neat moment and neat opportunity. Um, uh, I mean, a, a lot of like my mind for memories uh, goes to a lot of campus activism because that's where most of the activism I've done has been uh, for years at U of T and then spreading that to campuses across Toronto and then to the broader city, but like a lot of campus activism. And for, for the Toronto Against Abortion Project, we have a lot of student volunteers involved and we do a lot of campus activism. And, um, you know, a really memorable season was fall 2016. I talked about that providential moment. This is where CCBR staff were establishing an office in the greater Toronto area more permanently, where I just joined staff, where Toronto Right to Life decided to jump into the end the killing plan and launch the Toronto against abortion project uh, and U of T students for life. The activism team that was now becoming this bigger thing uh, was reaching this kind of momentum um, where we had enough U of T students and support from other staff members from a U of T perspective. We, we called it like we kind of conduct a foreign invasion of Ryerson university. You know, we had a whole bunch of U of T students who can come out and help a Ryerson student who had just done an internship with CCBR and wanted to make abortion unthinkable at her university too. And um, that was so memorable because Ryerson is, you know, has a student union who for 20 years had shut out the pro-life clubs, no matter what they were doing, um, you know, had been hostile to the pro-life message. And we just, it, you know, this, this perfect storm, this perfect combination of factors to make it possible to do activism there regularly. And we just realized we don't need their permission to show up on the public sidewalks and show the truth about abortion to students at Ryerson. And um, we turned the campus on its head and made abortion impossible to ignore and got people thinking about um, thinking about abortion um, uh, in uh, while dealing with counter protesters and, you know, just uh, lots of crazy stories from activism and wild stuff to deal with. But um, it was such a memorable um uh, such a memorable moment, that first, uh, quote unquote, invasion of Ryerson, that is like when we came together and started regularly bringing the truth about abortion to Ryerson, um, because, you know, we faced so many challenges and so many obstacles, yet had such great success reaching people. And it really brings you together as friends and as a team when, you know, you're doing hard things together 
And um, that was probably kind of highlight of, of campus activism. But, you know, I could tell you stories from the last week at uh, U of T Scarborough or Ryerson as well. Like it's just, I, 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 it's such a great place to have conversations because people are open to dialogue. Um, they really need the pro-life message at that stage in life. Maybe they're sort of forming their views that could stay with them for the rest of their adult life. Uh, you know, you have the chance to influence leaders of tomorrow, like future politicians, doctors, lawyers, you know, just lots of great moments doing campus activism uh, in the Toronto area would be highlights, I think. Love it. And I, I love the way, even in some ways, how you connect the two of those together. Because as you mentioned, I was a part of that new abortion caravan. That's actually how I met you. Um, I, I slept uh, in your spare room <laughs> at, at our Toronto stop. And I, I remember, I think back to that summer. And that summer, I think that we did 50 choice change or something in, in 22 communities across Canada. And this was incredible. This was like unheard of, this volume of activism happening. 22 choice chains. Um and that was our flagship project at, at the time. And now we look at it and, and here we are almost 10 years later and we're getting that done in a couple of weeks now, plus all of the postcarding, plus all of the door knocking, plus all of our other projects and whatnot. And, and I think that we've seen groups like Toronto Against Abortion through Toronto Right to Life and other groups across the country really take hold of the, the end the killing strategy that CCBR has of changing hearts and minds on the issue of abortion. As you can see on the t-shirt, change minds, save lives, transform culture taking that end game and applying it everywhere that we can. And you've been instrumental, Blaze, in mobilizing people, especially in Eastern Canada, obviously, not only through the internships that you have a hand in, but also with the against abortion groups and other pro-life groups that are doing CSPR's activism. Even in, in the last couple months here, you've helped start up a new group in Montreal. And I'm curious... As we start to wind up this Humans of the Pro-Life Movement interview, I know it's a little bit longer than, than they often are, um, maybe talk a little bit about what kind of mentality um, on a, at a high level and then what kind of, whether it's, uh, I don't know, phrasings or whatever, to, to get people motivated and involved. How have you mobilized and, and what do you go into um, a meeting with pro-lifers with an effort to mobilize them in effective pro-life outreach. What does that look like for you? And what words of wisdom might you have, even for somebody who might be listening and watching this video, who is thinking about getting more actively involved and just needs a little nudge to tip them over the edge? What does that mobilization look like um, for you? And what words of wisdom would you have for somebody thinking about that, I guess? Hmm. Yeah, well, the the growth and the momentum through the Enlikeon Plan has been a huge inspiration to me as well, because when I was in first year, and we were that, that first day of activism that I talked about. I skipped all my classes after being nervous about it. You know, we had our friends from the closest campus club come, and that was in Hamilton, so an hour drive away was the closest. You know, other group, um, and you know, now almost every day in Toronto, we've got people from. I mean, there's like nine or, or ten different campuses that have active pro-lifers around. Like, there's just been so much growth, and you know, from just a couple community groups. Um, to having a dozen spread throughout southwestern Ontario, and then uh, you know in Ottawa, and 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 now in Montreal, um, it's been really inspiring to see, and and and, and a privilege to be a part of that growth. Um, I, I think that one thing, you know, maybe a theme here is the friendship. We talked about um, friendship in terms of uh, you know interacting with other people and the other kind of circles I'm involved with. Um, I think that's key in my approach to mentorship and team building as well. Um, I've had some, well, I've had some really good conversations with some of my friends 
who I've mentored, you know, about how we are like, like it's, it's in the context of friendship that I would pass along the things that I've learned and, uh, you know, support them in building up a team or growing and developing as pro-life leaders. You know, um, I, I've, 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 I've always tried to do this, um, uh, in, you know, whether it's intentionally or just what I naturally feel more comfortable doing, but like, I, I don't like the idea of like, you know, talking down to people. Um, I much like the way I think about mentorship and, and, and helping people develop is, you know, coming alongside them and journeying with them, being along with someone for part of the journey. It's been super inspiring to see that happen with some, some people, you know, some, some of my good friends. So I, I was just at a wedding last weekend with two of my good friends who, uh, you know, were past presidents of Ryerson and U of T pro-life clubs. Right. Um, and it was through activism that we became, you know, that level of, of good friends. Or, or I think about, um, my friend, Michelle, who's now the executive director of Toronto right to life. And I remember when she was, uh, a first year student coming to her first meeting at U of T students for life and eventually becoming club president and now executive director of Toronto right to life, a key partner of CCBR in the GTA. And, um, I feel like a proud dad sometimes, you know, but, um, but also, um, but also I'm, I'm working alongside my best friend, you know, like I'm working alongside a close friend. And, um, I, I think that's really key. And, and if you, if you broaden that from the individual to the kind of group level, you know, one thing I think that helped activism explode in Toronto around five years back when I mentioned the U of T and Ryerson uh, collaboration and stuff like that, you know, it was working together across the city. And, you know, the, the team grew when we were spending more time together as a team. We were doing activism, but we were also spending time together to learn, doing seminars and time together for socials. And, um, you know, uh, rather than being in our own separate pro-life club bubbles here and there, just all being part of the same team working on the same thing. And it just like, it allowed everything to grow. Cause you know, maybe in one area of the city, there was like a couple really dedicated and experienced pro-lifers, but not enough people to get activism done. And we could travel over there and make activism happen. In another area of the city, there were 20 or 30 pro-lifers who were enthusiastic, but brand new and needed a lot of training. So a couple of veterans could come in and help them. And, you know, it, it kind of grows the whole movement when you work together collaboratively like that. And it, it's been a privilege to be a part of that with Ontario community groups as well in Southwestern Ontario, encouraging more collaboration in the same way that happened across the GTA to see that happen across different cities throughout Ontario. And, and you mentioned Montreal against abortion. Um, you know, I've been to Montreal four times now to work with them. And I earlier today, I was just planning my fifth trip for a few weeks from now. And they've come to Toronto a couple times um, to do a, a choice chain with us the first time. Uh, almost a year ago and come for the Toronto crash course. And, and um, it was a Toronto high school teacher um, who had come to the crash course here, who made the connections in Montreal, inspired them, trained them. Um, he came out to Montreal as well. I mentioned Michelle from Toronto right to life. She traveled with me the last time we went to Montreal. Like we're going back and forth between Montreal and Toronto. We're building a sense of community to build the movement. So as friends and as a broader movement, that is collaborating together, um, like that's how we encourage that growth to happen. That's how we see activism happen in new cities. That's how we see more and more people get involved. So um, I don't know, I, I'm really passionate about that because it, it, it's a big inspiring and motivating factor for me. I, I'm, I'm thrilled to see it happen. I feel uh, blessed to, to have a role to play in that. And um, yeah, like I, I mean, 
I would just encourage people um, when you're doing hard things like talking to people about the truth about abortion and you know having rewarding but often difficult conversations on the streets um, you know you do that together on a team and you make solid lifelong friendships when you're doing hard things together and um, you know it's it's life change it's, it's life saving for the people we can reach but it's life changing for those of us who are involved and through those kind of you know genuine friendships and building up community we can help grow the movement and reach more and more people and more and more communities with the truth about abortion. That that motivates me. I hope that's a motivation to anyone who's listening as well. Yeah, I, I think that makes a ton of sense because there's so many different factors that are going to influence people's involvement, how they get involved, where they get involved, who they get involved with. And I love what you said about, again, that relationship component, how that mentorship, like you said, is kind of that coming alongside, befriending and mentoring um, on a not quite a peer-to-peer -peer level, but on that kind of level of this is what I've learned. This is how I think that it can help in your area. Let's go back and forth with ideas, that kind of thing. I think that's so good. And I, I love what you mentioned at, at the end about the shared experience of, of the hardship at times of pro-life work. I, I often chuckle about how you don't become active in the pro-life movement to make friends necessarily, certainly not in volume, but in quality, certainly. Many of my best mm -hmm. friends that I have now are friends from the movement. And it's because of that shared experience, because of the crazy wild rides we've gone through and the ups and the downs and the, the great joys that we've seen and people changing their mind on abortion and the tough days of just being showered with all sorts of vitriol and, and whatnot coming down on us. And so I, I think there's a, a ton to be said for that. And for you who are listening, if, if you're in Southwest Ontario, Blaze is speaking at a ton of content or a um, ton of conferences and whatnot around then. I'm sure at least some of them are virtual right now, but um, take the opportunity. If you find somebody in the pro-life movement that inspires you, if you find somebody who you're really interested in, um, don't feel like you need to be a fanboy quite like Blaze was and, and like circling around to, to try to catch Stephanie Gray Connor's eye. Just walk straight up to Blaze because he's an awesome guy to chat with. Um, I don't know if he'll let you buy him a beer, but um, buy him whatever he's his drink of choice and and go from there. Blaze, this has been an, an absolute blast. Thanks so much for, for joining for today's episode. Thanks so much for having me back again. My pleasure. And for those of you who are tuning in again, this is Humans of the Pro-Life Movement, where we are trying to highlight the incredible men and women from across the country and around the world who are involved in the pro-life movement in various capacities. This is one of the episodes. Check on our other episodes to see the other cool people who are working in various ways to try to end abortion in Canada and around the world. Check on our other content as well, whether that's our flagship, our Pro-Life Guys podcast that you can find on any of your favorite podcast catchers or YouTube or on our website, ProLifeGuys.com. You can buy sweet merch like this, a t-shirt or others like it, water bottles, whatever you want. Um, if you want to become a partner of the show, please do check out Patreon.com slash ProLifeGuys to find out how you can partner with us to increase our, our reach through the podcast and at the end of the day, please, please, please get involved. That's one of the cool things about our Patreon levels as well, that it's not your, your standard Patreon alone. It's not just financial partnership. If you get actively involved in a local pro-life group that is doing something somewhat CCBR related, and some kind of leader can corroborate that, you can achieve the different Patreon levels 
through your volunteer hours, not just through your financial partnership, but also through the sacrifice of your time and energy as well. So that's really cool. You can learn more about that. Um, Patreon.com slash guys. Thank you for tuning in. I hope that you'll tune in again for future episodes. God bless y'all.